Well, this is a passage of Scripture I wanted to hit again this Sunday because I didn't finish last Sunday and I probably won't finish today. But I'm impressed with several things here. I've entitled uh, the sermon, We Reign Now and Not Yet. And we may not yet finish that. But what I want us to focus on is the fact that in the here and now, we reign with Christ. Though not yet fully. How do we reign with Christ? Well, I would submit to you, if you just turn to the right, and you, and you see in Revelation chapter 6, you discover something in verse 9, page 1920. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? I want you to see something. In the here and now, those who have died in Christ, particularly those who have been martyred, and the Greek word there uh, connotes beheading, those who've been put to death for the cause of Christ, even in the time when this letter was written, prior to the end of the first century, they didn't cease to exist. You know, here's the great and glorious truth. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Now, our bodies, I preached on this two weeks ago to the 174-year-old uh, dead folks, no, <laughs> no. I was in I was in Junction City, and Martha, one of your ancestors is buried. Oh, wow! You're kin to yeah. Oh, yes. That's interesting. <laughs> Anyhow, I was preaching at the 174th anniversary of the founding of the Scotland Presbyterian Church, and like many churches, I learned this back in the 1960s when I was preaching while still a student in South Carolina at little Presbyterian churches. Sometimes. I would preach at one church, and I had, I, had, I had 30 minutes to get from that church to the next church. And I thought, well, you know, if I can drive from Hooten Holler, uh, no, that's a joke for something else, at, uh, at, at this particular Presbyterian church, and then I can make it in time to preach at that particular Presbyterian church, why don't they just merge? And I want you to understand something. The dead sometimes rule the living. <laughs> well, Bob, my great-grandmother's in that cemetery. Well, Bob, at the other church, my great-great-great-grandfather is buried there. And sometimes loyalty to the dead gets in the way of current living. So anyhow, my point is this. What happens? Well, the body's really, really important. And that's what I preached on. I think it's an interesting sermon because it, uh, it has to do with how we should honor the bodies of the dead after they die. Because we honor the body of the dead, not because the person is in the ground. The true person 
absent from the body, present with the Lord. So what are they doing? Well, you hear people telling crazy stories. I participated in so many funerals over the years and heard the most goofy nonsense you can ever imagine. One time I was preaching, and I'm not trying to put Southern Baptists down, um, and I'm so grateful I married a Baptist, and... Um, but I was preaching in a Southern Baptist church, and if you read the Baptist faith and message, you discover that they believe on the fundamentals, on the essentials, what we believe, essentially. But I was sitting up there, and the pastor of this, uh, church, of this lady, uh, who was the mother of some members in my church, uh, and I will make her name Boudin, Jeff Boudin. Anyhow, I'll have to give a phony name for fear that this man might be listening to this sermon. And here it is. That preacher stood up and said, Ms. Bodine was such a wonderful Christian woman. In fact, he said, I believe that when Ms. Bodine entered heaven, the Lord God got off his, off his throne out of respect for her. I almost left the platform. How could a man who professes to believe in one God and three persons who professes to believe that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, utter such blasphemous nonsense. You just wouldn't believe what I hear. And I've heard other people say, well, oh, so-and-so, I know what he's doing right now. He, he loved to fish. And he's up in heaven fishing right now. You want me to tell you what people in heaven are doing right now? Well, let's look at it. Right here, page 1920. He opened the fifth seal. I saw under the altar the souls of those who'd been slain because of the word of God and their testimony. What are they doing? You know what they're doing in heaven? They're praying for you. Now, you don't need to pray to them. They're praying for you. That is a great comfort to me to realize when I was a drunk in uh, high school for three of my four years, sometimes I'd get up in the night and I'd look down the hall and there was my mama on her knees by her bed and I knew she was praying for me. And you know, it made me feel bad, but it didn't make me quit drinking whiskey. My mother prayed for me. My mother prayed me into heaven. I'm very grateful. My mother was the finest woman I've ever known except one. And I will not mention her name because I've been told never to do that again. What are people in heaven doing? They're praying for us. You think of Miss Orene. Miss Orene knows us. Miss Orene loves us. Miss Orene is praying for us. She is. She's doing it now. But you know the focus of these prayers, they're told these prayers are about, Lord, please come back. Please return to earth and return to earth now because of the terrible things that are going on to earth today. How people are being persecuted. How they're suffering. Think about those seven churches of Asia Minor and how these words would have been an encouragement to them as the Roman emperors persecuted them violently, mercilessly, cruelly, how they would have been comforted. Because what they're praying for is a great flood of judgment on the lost. 
and praying for those who have not yet been saved. We like to call people pre-Christians. For the pre-Christians to be saved. You know, St. Paul said, Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Jesus Christ, and with it eternal life. So they're praying. And what happens as they pray? They're comforted in verse 11. And they're told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. So I want you to understand something. We don't gather here today to pray for the people that I know who have gone to be with the Lord. Mr. Barnes was the first, uh, was the first uh, funeral I did here. And then there, I didn't get to do her funeral. Uh, you remember, um, wasn't Happy Bird. Uh, Butterfly, I'm sorry. <laughs> you remember Butterfly, she died. And then uh, I, was, I was privileged to, do, to participate in Miss Orene's funeral. They've gone to be with Jesus. They're praying for us. They know about our troubles. They know what's going on right now in the United States of America. All the squabbling and fighting and division in this country. The craziness, the likes of which I've never seen. They're aware of it. And they're praying. Lord Jesus, hurry up please. Hurry up please. And the answer is, wait a little while. Wait a little while. There are more people that have to be saved. So we rule the world now. Not only did they rule the world now, we rule the world now. In what way? Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is in the hands of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turns it whithersoever he will. Do you know something? If I picked up the phone right now, and I called the White House, and I said, I'd like to speak to uh, President Biden, and I'd like to tell him what I don't agree with. Or even the two senators in my state, Senators Kennedy and Senators, uh, senators Kennedy and Cassidy, I'd call their office, and so I'd like to talk to them. Or my congresswoman, she did answer our mail, Judah Letlow, whose husband died, and she ran and won. And so Sandy and I pray for her virtually every day. Bless Julia and Jeremiah and Jacqueline, those are two orphan children. But do you think if I called her office, she's going to pick up the phone? Now I want to tell you something. Don't ever forget this. Every time you want to cuss a politician, you ever wanted to cuss a politician? Every time you want to cuss a politician, pick up the phone and talk to somebody who answers. Because when you pray to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of His Father, when you pray to the Father in Jesus' name, when you come trusting in the power and leading of the Holy Spirit, and you pray, somebody picks up the phone and listens. You know, I've discovered over the years, most people have never had anybody pray with them who believes there's somebody on the other end of the line listening. But let me say, my dear brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ here at Trinity Presbyterian Church in Texarkana, Texas, when you pick up the phone, God answers. And you know what He does? 
Do you realize the Lord God Almighty can change the heart of Joe Biden? Do you realize the Lord God Almighty can change the heart of Vice President Harris? Do you realize that he can change the heart of Texas governor and Louisiana's governor and Arkansas's governor? Do you realize he can change the heart of your congressman? How about mayors? How about the chief of police? How about this and how about that? I want you to know in the name and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you pick up the phone, somebody's listening. And that somebody is able to visit people in the middle of the night. What would happen to me if I were able stealthily to get into the White House? First of all, I'd probably trip and fall because I'm clumsy. But, uh, but what if I could actually get into the White House? Do you know there actually is a true story of a man who was able to get inside the palace where Queen Elizabeth II was sleeping? This true story I investigated after I watched that uh, kind of docudrama on her life. He actually got in her bedroom. Are you kidding me? Wow. And he talked to her. He told her his problems. And she was very smart to talk to him in a kind way until he could get discovered. She offered him, I think, a cup of tea. (laughs) Anyhow, what if I were able to get in the bedroom where President Biden is sleeping? Huh. Would he pay attention to me? Probably not. He probably sleeps with a loaded gun. I'm think he's from Texas, really. But anyhow, (laughs) no, listen, you can talk to somebody who can call him up at 3 a.m. and say, Joe, who's calling my name? Joe, who's there? And it can come in the form of a dream. Have you ever awakened in the night because you heard a voice in a dream? I have. That took that dream really seriously. Sometimes God has to speak to us in the night because we're so busy in the daytime. Do you realize the Lord God of hosts can wake up the President of the United States at 3 a.m. with a dream that scares him totally to death and begins to speak to him in his heart of hearts, awakening his conscience and saying, Joe, You need to repent and you need to do this. I want you to understand something. The saints in the here and now reign through their prayers. So now I want us to look at something else. I want you to look at something in the future if you will turn over to page 1777. In the now, we we reign. It's not a perfect reigning because the Lord Jesus Christ has not yet subdued all his enemies under his feet. We do not yet see, says the writer of Hebrews, all things under his feet. Page 177, let's look here. And Paul is dealing here in 1 Corinthians 6 with lawsuits. And he says, don't sue each other. And he says... Verse 1, if any of you has a dispute with another, dare he take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? That's future. That's the not yet. We have influence through our prayers. But this is not yet. This has not yet happened. Do you know when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again? These things are going to be true. 
Verse 2, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you're to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? What's a trivial case? Money. The root of all kinds of evil. The love of money. The root of all kinds of evil. St. Paul says that's trivial. Fighting over money, I have first cousins, they're all dead now, thank the Lord. I, mean, I meant to say, I can, thank the Lord I can use the illustration now, not thank the Lord they're dead. I had sets of first cousins on my daddy, one daddy's brother's side, and they got into a squabble over their daddy's reclining chair. This is not a joke. This true story. And it sat in a lawyer's office in Dillon, South Carolina because they couldn't settle it between the three of them. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. That's what St. Paul calls trivial matters. Somebody said, you don't know who a person really is till you divide a will with them. That's why the person who wrote Sandy's in my will said, you know... I've never had anybody contest one of my wills. And she did this as a, as a professional courtesy to us. And she listened to us, and at the end, we went back after about 10 days, and we finally realized why. There is a clause in our wills that says, <laughs> this is true, if anyone contests anything in this will, that person is automatically disinherited. Are you kidding me, Bob? No, I am not kidding you. That's in our will. That's how she said these wills go through all the time. Now, so he says, and if you're to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial matters? Look at verse 3. This is going to happen. It's going to happen soon when the Lord returns. Do you not know that we will judge angels? You know, there are two kinds of angels. There are elect angels and there are reprobate angels. And the reprobate angels, led by one of the greatest and most powerful of all of the supernatural spiritual beings in heaven, whose name is not Satan, that's his nickname, because Satan comes from the Hebrew verb Satan, which means to oppose, to be an adversary, to be a slanderer. So they were led by this great, great angel. And he led them in rebellion against God. Those are the non-elect angels. Do you know? 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 You and I, when Jesus returns, are going to be the judges of those angels? Are you kidding me? We're going to judge those mighty angels that are talked about in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 10, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, the prince of the kingdom of Greece. You mean that we're going to sit in judgment of territorial spirits that rule over the affairs of men? Do you wonder sometimes if there really is a difference in Arkansas and Texas? Is there? If there is... It's because there's a different ruling spirit over Texas than in Arkansas. And when you pass into Louisiana, there's yet another great, powerful angel. 
Do you mean to tell me that the folks here this morning gathered together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ when he returns again, we're going to be part of the judge and jury along with God the Father and God the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit sitting in judgment of them? And the answer is yes. And his conclusion with which I will close is this. Verse 4, Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters... Appoint as judges even men of little account in the church. He says, why would you take people who are heathen? People who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. People who may hate your Savior. Why would you bring something for an ungodly, worldly, subject to bribery judge? Why not handle it inside the church? That's his answer. And he says, I say this to your shame. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers, but instead one brother goes to law against another? And this in front of believers, unbelievers. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have already been completely defeated. Why not rather be wrong? Why not rather be cheated? Are you kidding me? Why not rather be wrong? Why not rather be cheated? St. Paul, do you really mean that? I'm going to tell you, he really did. And he said that instead, in verse 8, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers. And he warns about the wicked not inheriting the kingdom of God. Let's close in prayer. Lord, as I uh, stop the sermon at this point to pick it up on the 4th of July, uh, next Sunday when we'll have communion. I pray, Lord, that what we've shared today will be an encouragement, will help us, will give us, Lord, an ability to let go of things in order to lay hold of the things that really matter. And Lord, when we're down, when we're discouraged, I have to say, say, Lord, that Thursday when I walked into this sanctuary after eating, Lord, with the Niven Uh, family, Lord, and I walked in here because I was going to cry. I thought that this sanctuary would be empty, and I just needed to get myself together. I was so discouraged, and there I saw Jim in the back and sat with him. Lord, that was a very discouraging afternoon for me, and probably for virtually everyone in this church here today. So discouraging, so heart-rending, the loss of our beloved choir director. But Lord, give us to look up. She's not left us. She still loves us. More importantly, you love us. She is worshiping with the heavenly choir, singing and praising the glories of God. Lord, she is in that heavenly choir also lifting up petitions for her beloved family. Not only her literal, physical family, Lord, but her spiritual family left here on earth. Lord, would you encourage us? And would you encourage us when we see so much chicanery and crookedness in high places, bribery and all of that in the political realm? Would you encourage us that we can pick up the phone? And call on you, and you can speak to any judge, any politician, anywhere, anytime. Lord, encourage us today that we go out of here celebrating that the Lord Jesus Christ is now 
King of kings and Lord of lords. And one day soon, when he returns, he will force every single being in the universe to bow his knees, including even Satan himself. Lord, thank you. We are on the winning side. In Jesus' name, amen.